131 of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. I'm Tarek. And I'm Marco, and thanks for joining us on the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, try and get as many hints and tips from them as possible, and find out how they got into the industry. Um, we've had some brilliant authors, screenwriters, journalists, comedians on in the past, so please do check out the back catalogue. Um, and if you enjoy the podcast, I'm also going to say here, uh, if you could give us a rating and review or follow us, um, that all helps us to stay in the charts and con- continue to get some of these great guests, like the one we've got this week, Tarek. Yeah, this week we're chatting with Diana Reed, who um, is an Australian author, uh, and her debut novel, Love and Virtue, came out in Australia back in 2021, last year, and it was the highest-selling debut fiction in the Australian charts and book scan charts which is fantastic and it's finally making its way across the pond over here is that the phrase across the pond if it's australia or is that no the, that's that america thing round round the it? other side of the, the world, world. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, the other pond um uh, yeah the rather larger pond um <laughs> yeah uh, uh, just amazing that she sort of just yeah decided to start writing this book in lockdown and and it's gone on to have yeah, such success fantastic. it's it's you know what every every writer dreams of. I it's think. a dream, and it's it's a really interesting novel. It's a kind of um, college campus set. Uh, it sounds very much like a mashup of The Secret History meets Sally Rooney. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think they were deal. both big influences. Yeah. It seems from from our chat with uh, Diana, and yeah, it, it obviously has been a huge success. I expected to have a similar success over here as well. Yeah, totally. Um, you know these novels. Campus novels, it is almost a little genre of its own, a sort of um, is, yeah. subgenre. Yeah. But uh, they they always seem to do quite quite well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of kind of it's a kind of little closed room almost, isn't it? Yeah, on a larger scale, you've got this little setting, you've got the cast characters, everyone's kind of brought together through this kind of external. Force. Yeah, it's, it, it's a good setting. Yeah, exactly, and it gives you, as we discussed with Diana, the sort of there's an almost an automatic structure that your novel gets by setting it in in somewhere Absolutely. like that. So, yeah, so it, it, it's a really great chat. So we'll get straight on with the interview after a quick advert for a writer's notebook. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention that if you're listening to this on the day of release, uh, we mentioned last week that we uh, are on a panel. Well, Tarek is on several panels, but at, both of us are on one panel at Bloody Scotland, which is the International Crime Writing Festival in Stirling in Scotland. Uh, but even if you can't make it, uh, you can tune in online to uh, a lot of their events and they've got some great panels and, and guests at the festival. Yeah. But we are on a panel where I am chairing it and Tarek and three other brilliant uh, crime crime authors are on at 3pm today. So if you fancy that, then uh, you can get an online ticket, as I say. So we'll put a link in the podcast description if that sounds of interest. I am expecting softball questions, Marco. Softball <laughs> yeah. questions. Softball pick questions to the other panel guests <laughs> and really, really <laughs> awkward ones for you. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get straight into the podcast and we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about next week's guest. But for now, on with the podcast. The blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. 
but we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. Did you always want to be a writer? Yeah, I I think I did, but in a sort of pipe dream way. Like I didn't think that it was um, a viable job that someone could actually have. <laughs> so I thought that it would, I loved reading and I thought that it would be a very cool thing to do, but I didn't think that it, uh, yeah, I would say it was something I wanted, but not something that I kind of aspired to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, how, uh, uh, given that that was the approach in your head, when did you actually start to try and do something with your writing then? Well, yeah, my path was a bit unusual because I, I didn't start until 2020. So I just graduated from university and I had taken like a gap year before I started my um, a corporate grad job and I planned to work in theatre and then COVID happened and so that cancelled all those plans. Um, and so then I just found myself like a lot of people I was at home and I didn't have anything to do and I'd always thought that it would be cool to write a book like before I died um and then yeah when I had nothing to do I just thought oh well now's the time to try and I so I also thought if I couldn't write a book in those conditions then it probably wasn't something that I was capable of so I, I didn't really write it um with the intention of being published I just wrote it literally for something to do and then um when I had an 80,000 word manuscript I then was like, oh, well, I've got it now. So, you know, I'll just see if anybody's interested in publishing it. But even then I didn't, I never thought it was likely. Mm. And and so your, your kind of writing career started obviously with a focus on the theatre and, and and were you writing plays and, and scripts as a kind of starting off point then essentially? 
Yeah, I did. Um, so I did a bit of theatre at uni, which was like review type stuff. So I'd written sketches and then I'd written a, um, I'd adapted 1984, the book, into like a comedy musical. Yeah, so that, I mean, obviously all Will wrote that, not me. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't really very experienced at the time that I decided to sit down and write a novel. It was more, um, I'd just been reading for my whole life and liked it. Um, so yeah, but then obviously, COVID happened and and sort of forced forced your hand, I suppose, to try this book that that you wanted to to write. I mean, yeah. how did you how did you find that process? Was it something that came naturally to you? Had, was it an idea that had been bubbling around in your head, or did you just sort of start from from a blank page? Um, yeah, I love the process, and if anything, it's a process that because I've now written a second book for the same publisher in Australia and I tried to kind of emulate that process because I think that writing without the expectation of it being published or even read at all is actually a kind of ideal sort of mental state to be in because you do feel free to throw anything at the wall and you're not anticipating how people would perceive it. You just kind of write whatever comes into your head. Um, Yeah, now when I write, I kind of lie to myself and pretend that I'm in that same position where no one's going to read it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and in terms of how I did it, I um, so I knew that I wanted to write. So my first book, Love and Virtue, is an Australian campus novel, um, and I knew I'd read a lot of campus novels, most of which were set in England or America, Mm -hmm. and I hadn't, I wasn't really aware of an Australian contribution to that genre. So I think I thought, oh, well, I'll write the book that I want to read, which is all those campus novels that I like but set in my world. Um, And so having made that decision around genre, that really helped because then a lot of other decisions were kind of made for me, like um, the book's written by a first-person narrator in the first year at uni and the book starts at the beginning of the academic year and ends at the end of the year and there's a break in the middle where they go home for holidays and yeah so yeah so it gives I you think, a structure I suppose to the to yeah the story. which I was uh, yeah and I wasn't um I definitely wasn't conscious of that at the time but yeah I think in hindsight that definitely helped um yeah because the the form in, imposed a structure on it and the 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 setting of that kind of kind of campus story is very evocative of the secret history by Donna Tart. And was that something which was quite a big influence? I mean, it's, it's, is, or is it hard? Is it impossible to write a story in that setting without that kind of influence being hanging over it? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's impossible. It was also deliberate in my case. Um, yeah, like, it was probably almost derivative. Um, <laughs> I had like I had that book on my desk. Um, which I would recommend to um, any first-time author. I think that it makes it so much less intimidating if instead of just looking at a blank page, you can think of something concrete that you want to emulate and kind of work towards that without plagiarising, obviously. Obviously. No, I mean, I, I always think <laughs> when, you're, when you're starting off, trying to find your voice is, is really difficult. And I think for me anyway, I definitely just found a book that was very similar to the kind of book that I wanted to write and basically copied it for the first few drafts and then once you kind of that kind of helps you start to write and then you can kind of put your own voice into and you can kind of morph a little bit but i think yeah, you're totally right having a having a voice you can use as a kind of jumping off point is is great yes for sure and that's so much you know to emulate someone else's voice is a much less daunting task than like finding your own voice out of 
the vacuum. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like it's yeah, it's really useful. And you, if you try to emulate someone else, you'll eventually realize that you're your own person. You can't emulate them, and so <laughs> like you, you'll find your voice anyway. And and in terms of the sort of technical side of it, are you someone that you know? Did you plan out the story, or did you just sort of have this idea and then see where it took you as you were writing? Yes, so I had an idea for the central drama of the story, which is um, about two female friends in their first year of university, and one of them um, experiences a, um, or she has a non-consensual sexual encounter, and then the other one appropriates that story. I won't, I won't say how. Um, and so that was, I, I had my, I had that central idea, um, and I had those two characters, but I didn't know the exact mechanics of it, and then I wrote about 60,000 words of just random scenes. So I took the two characters that I had in mind and then I put them in any situation that I could imagine and kind of sort of, yeah, experimented with how they would respond. And through that, I kind of developed supporting characters. And then when I had about 60,000 words of, I call it free writing, but it's just sort of nonsense, um, (laughs) I then did a plot and then I went back and I rewrote the whole thing from chapter one. Oh wow, but, that's a big process. And... But I mean, that, that, yeah, it's do, not very efficient. It's not efficient. But <laughs> there it, must be a better way. It, it, it's definitely a process that can help you find not just your voice, but the the characters and everything like that. If you're just putting them in scenes, and you kind of, you know, in a sort of corny way, you get to know them, and that then helps you write the full story at the end of it. You know, we've definitely spoken to other people that have, have done a similar similar thing. I think. Oh, that's good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> I mean, I mean, how did you find that that first? Because obviously, this was, this was the first book you'd written, and this was the first you're doing that first draft. How did you how did you find the process? Was did you did you enjoy the process? That whole planning process? Did you was it kind of a relief to get to the actual writing stage of the book? What what what, what was your thought process? Yeah, I think I really enjoyed it, and I suppose it goes back to that thing of not having any expectations for it. Like I wasn't bothered by the inefficiency in the way that I might have been if I was working to a deadline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I, yeah, I, I mean, I did things that helped, like um, I very arbitrarily broke it down. So um, I Googled how long is, is a book <laughs> and I, I found this like Reddit thread that said it was, they were like, oh, literary fiction is 60,000 to 100,000 words. So I was like, I won't reinvent the wheel. I'll write an 80,000 word book. And then I was like, 20 divides neatly into 80. So I'll write 24,000 word chapters. Um, so yeah, stuff like I, I made a lot of arbitrary decisions <laughs> that really helped. And the book is 20 chapters. And the first draft was 79,997 words. Oh, well, oh wow. Perfect. <laughs> uh, and so in that process, you, you, you'd written the 60,000 words um initially then you went back to the start and, and rewrote it again but does that mean that at the end of that draft was that a fairly clean draft at that point yeah so this so the second draft which was the first one that was sort of to a plot mm-hmm. um was the one that I ended up submitting to publishers and it didn't change too much in the editing process so yeah it, that was sort of the fine oh yeah it was the final draft pre um working on it with an editor and, and and what's the process for you at that point then? Um, do you go because you said you went to the publisher? Did you go via an agent or did you go straight to the straight to the to the source as it is? Um, no, so I hadn't. Yes, yeah, so I got an agent first in Australia. Um, so 
yeah, I um, I actually just cold called agents and said that I had this manuscript and would they be interested in having a look at it? Wow. And is that is that kind of, I mean, because I know over here and I think it's, it seems to be slightly different everywhere, but in the UK anyway, it's, it's, there's a very kind of like formal process of sending letter with like three chapters and then uh and you hope you that they ask for more but is it is it like that over there in australia or is it more kind of laid back um yeah because we're culturally so chill um <laughs> maybe all elements <laughs> yeah um, you're surfing no, as you're setting over yeah I'm, yeah exactly yeah. oh yeah we're also relaxed um it's sunny um <laughs> no i um it's not that chill i think to be honest i think again i really benefited from from not knowing much about the industry and for not having really great ambitions for it. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a formal process um, and, you know, agents do have slush piles um, that they struggle to get through and they do have certain months of the year when you can submit and stuff like that. But I, um, and I'd researched that a bit, but I also just didn't, um, yeah, I guess I wasn't really, like I didn't have any friends in the industry and I'd never worked in it in any capacity. So I, I guess my ignorance was kind of useful because I wasn't intimidated by it. And I, I guess I was sort of like, oh, there's no harm in asking. I mean, it, we, um, we've spoken with uh, uh, Chris Hammer, who's obviously an Australian author who's now big international yeah. success. But he, what he said as well was that, um, that the, the literary scene in Australia is much smaller than in the UK. And I suppose that can bring with it some advantages and some disadvantages in the sense that there's maybe there's perhaps less competition perhaps but also fewer opportunities um possibly in terms of being found by an agent or a publisher yeah it is smaller and i think that in some ways that um i mean it's much smaller and i think that in some ways that can be a real negative because i think for people who are my age so i was 24 when i and we don't really have that culture of um, sort of master's degrees in creative writing or graduate creative writing programs or, or anything. And I actually don't think there's a big culture in undergraduate at uni of studying it. So there's not really a kind of filter for people who are interested in that to pursue it in a way that I know there is in the US, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, yeah, like I think that in some ways that's a disadvantage because if it's something that you, if you're a young person and you know that that's what you want to do, there's not a clear path for you to follow. Um, but then in another way, it's, um, it, I guess it can be beneficial because it is small. So, you know, there's there's only so many agents that you can talk to and then you've talked to all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It obviously came out in Australia um, previously and it was, it was wide acclaim. I think Sally Rooney was a comparison that was being made. I mean, that must have been pretty amazing feeling. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, I feel like people ask me about this all the time and I know there's like a politically correct version of this answer where I'm like, oh, it's so reductive to say that any young, white, <laughs> university educated woman is the same, but I love her, so I'm like happy to take it. <laughs> and uh, But I, in terms of the actual getting to that stage of being published and obviously then going on to become a success, because you hadn't had that experience, I suppose, of a creative writing course or anything like that, when it first goes to a publisher, when it first goes to an editor, um, presumably they're coming back to you 
with some feedback, maybe not a lot, I don't know, but how did you find that process? How did you find the process of notes? Was there anything that you were unsure about in terms of what they were suggesting? Yeah, so that was really important to me. So I, um, yeah, so I, I went by an agent and I spoke to, um, I, I had multiple publishers in Australia offer on it. And then I ended up choosing the publisher I did amongst other reasons because they had very clear ideas for how they wanted it to be edited. Um, and for me, yeah, I think, as you say, because I was conscious that I hadn't really studied creative writing and, yeah, I was like, if you're going to press print, I want as many people as possible <laughs> to give me their feedback and <laughs> I want to, like, check that it's okay. I know other writers are a bit more, um, I guess maybe they just have more confidence of vision and they're sort of a bit more resistant to being edited but I certainly am very very grateful for it um and yeah I I really appreciated the editing process so um in I don't know what it's like in the UK but my experience was my publisher did a first round and then a freelance editor did a second and third round so yeah yeah it was edited three times and and in terms of sort of getting the suggestions and things like that that was something that you to come board and and we're happy to get that input on then. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly just very grateful for it. I think that because from my perspective, as I said, I I never I never wrote it thinking it was some you know magnum opus that deserved to be published. Um, and so the idea that people were like paid to read my manuscript and then spend time thinking about it and then gave me their thoughtful criticisms which just felt like such a privilege um so yeah I took all of their criticisms very seriously and I, and my kind of rule with myself is that if I anytime I want to reject a criticism I try to articulate why I think it should be rejected and if I can't articulate it then that's not a good enough reason so I should just take it on board <laughs> yeah, that's quite a sensible approach because I mean we've chatted a few folk about this this issue of like you know you kind of you, the story lives in your head and you and you write it down in this room by yourself and then suddenly it's getting all this input from external sources and and then and then there's that kind of internal battle of of of, of saying well how much you know how much do you give away how much do you do you change and how much do you do you want to keep and i think you've always got to have in mind you know at the end of the day that these are people who know what sells and what's commercial and you want to make a career out of it so you want to make money and it's not selling out it's just what you know what the market wants and that's a, it's a kind of interesting balance there I think. No for sure and this is something I think about a lot because at the end of the day you know books are works of art but then they're also products for sale and so wanting to be published and wanting to be read means that you essentially want your work of art to also be a product so yeah if you're not prepared to engage in other people's opinions about what makes it commercially viable then you know maybe you, you you're not that invested in it existing as a product as well as as this baby that you've you know nurtured in your head for so long yeah and and obviously um it's now uh, uh, releasing in the uk and getting international release um after the success in australia um f- you know first of all did you expect to to have that sort of international branch to the success that the book had? Um, no, I didn't expect that at all, actually. And I think partly that's because it's so it's set in Sydney and it's based on my, um, it's based on the university that I went to. So to my mind, it was such an Australian story. Um, but then again, I mean, 
yeah, living in Australia, you do read books. I mean, I, I think most Australians reading life would probably be majority non-Australian work. So I, I don't know why I thought that people who didn't live there wouldn't want to read it because my whole reading life has been like foreign to me. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, yeah, I think because it felt so personal and it felt so local, it just didn't occur to me that people on the other side of the world would have any interest in it. And is it, is it quite strange, you know, because the book came out a year, uh, last year in Australia, and is it is it quite odd to be kind of getting back in the bandwagon now and chatting about the book so long after the fact? Or is, it, is it quite exciting? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always it's always nice. Like, thanks for talking to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it. Um, but yeah, it's weird. I mean, I'm sure you've written two books, so you probably know how this feels. You, I think you could, for something that you invest so much in emotionally at the time, you also move on from it quite quickly. Mm. Like, um, I, I don't feel that attached to it. And I sort of feel like, you know, I'm a different person to the one who wrote that. And um, it's, I guess it's like reading, I don't know if you ever go back and read something that you wrote in high school. You don't feel a sense of pride. You sort of think, oh, that's interesting that I used to be that person. Mm-hmm. And also this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, that's why I haven't, I haven't read it, um, but yeah, I haven't read it since it came out and I, I don't intend to, maybe even like another <laughs> 20 years or something. I guess that's also the problem of, I mean, sorry, it's it's such a privilege to be published so young, but it's a problem, you know, when you write something when you're 24, like I'm sure I'll be very embarrassed by it by the time I'm 30. <laughs> no, I think I think there's a there's a um there's an element of, you know, if it's if it's gotten to the point where it's like a there's massive kind of release in the comparisons, I don't think it's gonna be something which would be embarrassed to look back on and is it well, you, I mean, is, you can't be embarrassed if you don't read it so yeah and and you know we are definitely starting to see i think in recent years especially like this kind of if not a rise of then maybe just a kind of more more stories certainly about that kind of university story told from a female point of view and is it you know is that just because it's becoming easier to tell those types of stories or is it are we seeing stuff on tv that's kind of having an effect on what is being accepted or what people are are, are, are wanting to read more of is, is there a change you think happening yeah that's a good question i think there is a change I, like i agree with you it's definitely a trend um and i think that i mean for me i do think that sally rooney was very influential not just because of her style of writing and you know how how much I personally liked you know how much I like reading her books but also just because of the popularity and I think as I was saying before you know publishing is commercial and I think that once once a particular type of product is proven to be popular then there's more of a willingness among publishers to take a risk and so I think that for example with my book it was submitted at the end of 2020 and that was the year that normal people, the TV show had been so wildly popular. So I think it was sort of an easy commercial decision for a publisher to be like, Oh, this is a book about young people at a university sort of reckoning with class and sex and moral issues. We know that people want, you know, the market's already, we we can see the market. We know that it's there. Um, And yeah, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the trend at the moment, um, and I don't, I don't know what the next trend will be, but I certainly feel like I've benefited from that. Yeah, but th- that's something as well that you can't really plan for, particularly as a as a as a writer, because by the time you know publishing isn't a particularly quick process, um, so by the time you've 
you know, if you try and jump on a bandwagon, it's probably already passed you by by the time you're you're sending it out to agents and things like that. So no, totally. And you know, for every trend, there's you know always going to be the book that starts it. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, and I also think you know there would be people who are writing the same stories at the same time, and then one happens to get published first, mm-hmm. and then that's the one that starts the trend. So yeah, like there was a play on in Sydney that had a very similar subject matter and plot to my book. And it was actually written in 2018 and then was delayed because of lockdowns and then was premiered at the same time as my book. And everyone was like, oh, everybody's writing about this at the same time. But, you know, it had happened years apart. So, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, they're all, yeah, it's just chance, really. Yeah. And is the, I mean, I suppose is the kind of, is the rise of the Me Too movement and the kind of, you know, evaluating of or reevaluating of, 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 issues like consent and and you know uh, different people's perspective on the same events that seems to be kind of really very very much more in people's minds now maybe than it was four or five years ago I suppose I mean is that kind of something which is I'm assuming quite important to you and quite important to kind of is it almost like a message you want to kind of or chat about or 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 get a point you want to make about it um, yeah, so my book was not, I agree with you, I think it definitely sits in a sort of post-Me Too context quite clearly and the concerns around consent and I guess, sexual mores are very Me Too. But um, for me, so it's, a, as I was saying before, it's set at a university and the main characters study philosophy and I studied philosophy at university and so it, it, the, the idea for the book actually came out of my studies um, because my experience was that when I learned about morals at uni, I would start every subject with a very clear idea of right and wrong. And then by the time I read all of the papers and written my essay or what sat the exam, I would just have no idea anymore. And it would all seem so much more complicated. And I'd like throw my hands up and be like, it's too hard. Um, and then at the same time, I felt like campus culture especially online, was becoming increasingly morally righteous. Um, And often that's a good thing and, you know, that's a a great mechanism for change. But I felt like, yeah, I was kind of torn between my social world where everyone was very unambiguous in their thinking and then this academic environment where everything seemed very, very complex. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, the book is kind of more of an attempt to showcase that I, I guess I sort of tried to take situations that seem black and white and then um, make them more complex for the reader. Yeah. And and you said earlier that you're you're working on your, your next book or is it is it handed in or are you still working on it? Yeah, so it's handed in. Um yeah, we've um we've pressed print and it's coming out in Australia in um, at the beginning of October this year. Cool. Oh cool, basically. So, so uh, what what's that yeah. one called? What's that about? That one's called Seeing Other People and it is, I've actually got it here. Oh, sorry, this is a podcast. It's a bad medium to show you. There you go. Oh, okay. um, you can see it. It looks very You good. can see it. Yeah, the cover's <laughs> nice. blue um, and it's got it's got a picture. It's got pictures of three girls on towels at the beach because it's set in Australia and we all go to the beach. Um, <laughs> and it's a, it's a hot summer novel and it's about two sisters and they're complicated, sometimes overlapping love lives over the course of one summer. And how did you find the writing process for book two compared to book one? You know, you've got a deadline now, you've you've got this pressure on you. 
Yeah, I found it so much harder. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, fir- the first book I wrote in five months um, and the second one was probably a bit over double that. Um, and, yeah, I think I found it harder because for a first book, you can just throw anything at the wall. You know, you can write about any random idea that's ever popped into your head or any anecdote that you've heard in passing. But then with the second one, you can write about anything that you want except for all of those things that you put into the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely felt that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's a huge privilege to be able to write. So I still loved it. Um, but, yeah, it was just a bit more laborious. Yeah. And was there any kind of chat about, you know, when you when you got your deal, I take it it was a two-book deal that you got for the mm-hmm. for the first book, and then was there a chat about what they wanted or what the publisher wanted the second book to be, and was there any attempt to kind of uh, put you in a kind of, uh, in a mould of a certain type of author or, or, or to say, oh, don't do this kind of stuff or don't do that? Um, no, I was very fortunate. There was no discussion about, what it would be it was just called book two on my desktop for um, until like the day I submitted it um and I didn't tell yeah and my, my publisher was great they didn't ask what they didn't even ask for sort of a pricey or a synopsis or anything they had no idea what it was about um personally I tried to write in the same genre um just because I was conscious that I want this to be a career and so I I kind of wanted to write something that was recognizably by the same author yeah. Um, so it's it's also contemporary fiction and it's also set in Sydney. Um, so yeah, I think it's yeah, it, like it sits in the same shelf on the bookshop, uh, yeah. but it's a totally different story. Nice. And given that that one's coming out in October, um, have you started work on on your next book? And do you have presumably you're having to pitch that then in some way, or is the publisher, you know, wanting a first refusal on on looking at the next book? So I've got a. Um, so I'm now I've now signed another two right. book deal, um, and yes, yeah, so it's actually the same process as it was for this second one. It's just called book three and book four, <laughs> and um, they'll um, they will find out what what those books are when they when I submit them. Excellent. Nice. And obviously, you've written for the theatre in the past. Um, is that someone you want to go back to, or or do screenplays for TV film? Yeah, potentially. I mean, if anyone wanted me to, that would be awesome. <laughs> but I think one thing that's really nice about writing novels that I'm not, I can't think of any other medium where you'd get the same experience is that you just have total control. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And by the time you finished a draft of a novel, you're so much closer to comp- to the final product than you are when you finish a yeah. draft of a script or yeah you know when, when you finish draft of a script there's still so many other creatives that you need to get involved whereas when you finish a book obviously there is so much work that goes into it but creatively it's kind of you've got the whole thing what was the last book that you read uh the last book so i well i'm I'm obviously from Australia and I came to, I'm in the UK at the moment on holiday and I read A Little Life on the plane, um, which was a big undertaking and very emotional. But anyway, that's, <laughs> I, I did that. It's a long plane ride. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, what about the last film that you watched? What was the last film I watched? Um, what was the last film I watched? 
I saw oh I saw a horror movie called The Black Phone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've, that's really good. You dare to watch. I've not seen it yet. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It was so yeah. It was fun. Yeah, that's based on the Joe Hill short story, isn't it? That one. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It is based on a short story. Uh, and the, what TV show? What was the last TV show that you watched or are watching? Uh, I'm always watching Peep Show, just constantly. <laughs> I watched an episode last night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a very kind of easy, easy watching, isn't it? Relaxing, awkward humor. That one is. It's very yeah, easy. I can't. You can't binge it, which is maybe a good thing about it. I get a bit depressed if I watch too many in a row. But <laughs> one before bed, it's, it's perfect. Uh, and the very, very last thing we always do is a super quick fire, either or. And uh, I always say there's no right answer apart from one. But we'll start off with Donna Tart or Sally Rooney. Oh, is that? Do you, do you make them up? For each other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, that's so unfair. And I was like, they're my two favourites. Um, uh, look, I'm going to say Donna Tartt only because her public persona is so impeccable and she, like, has not been photographed not in a suit for 30 years and <laughs> she could, like, cut something with her haircut and she's, yeah, she's just very, she's, yeah, Excellent. she's an icon. All right, fair enough. Uh, TV or cinema? Cinema. Films. <laughs> Night Owl or Early Bird? Night Owl. Uh, music or no music when you're writing? No music. And last one, real book or ebook? Real book. Uh, unfortunately, that was incorrect. Yeah, it's <laughs> ebook for that last Is it? Does no. anyone say ebook? No, very few people say but Tarek wants them. <laughs> I, always, I always argue that that's the correct answer, but no one ever Is that agrees with me. for the environment, Tarek? Or? Yes, very, various reasons. Environment, uh, easier to go and hold. I mean, that you know, you, you have a big, massive book in the plane. It's nothing on a Kindle. It's easy. Yeah, but I like the sense of achievement. I know, I was talking, my publisher said he went to a conference about um, sustainability and publishing, and I was like, well, surely the printing is, was like, yeah. <laughs> is, is that what you all talked about all day? And he was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks very much to Diana for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed that chat. And, you know, to be published when you're when you're only 24 with, with such no, success is... Fantastic. Quite something. Dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, comparisons to, to, as we mentioned at the start, people like Sally Rooney and stuff, just incredible. So definitely do check out that book. And if you're in Australia, you can pick up the, her second book, as she was saying. Yeah. So and it's, it's, it's funny, we're now, I mean, from my point of view, anyway, I've kind of gotten into the Australian crime scene a lot more the last few years. It seems to be a, an area of the crime world which is kind of expanding out. You know, you've got Chris Hammer, you've got Jane Harper, etc. And it seems to be a lot more notice being taken of Australian fiction at the moment, which is yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. When we, I think when we spoke to Chris, I mentioned that you know Australia is such a rich setting, especially for crime. I think because it totally, has the outback totally. there, and yeah, exactly. you know, it's just very evocative. And you can, it's sort of like the the sort of Midwest of America as well, yeah. in that same it's sort quite of setting. It's not been more. Yeah, like it seems so tailor made for that kind of like kind of crime, you know, middle of nowhere stories. It does seem like the the, the publishing scene in Australia is only starting to get international recognition recently. Yeah, yeah, um, and quite Definitely. rightly because because these these are great books. So, um, 
yeah, so yeah, do pick up Diana's book. We'll, we'll put a link in the podcast description, or you can pick it up from your friendly local bookshop. But next week we've got another brilliant guest. Yeah, next week we're chatting with Mr. Adam Hamdi, who um, has a he's had a number of crime books, uh, and his latest is The Other Side of Night, which uh, is just about to come out at the time of recording. Uh, and he's had a really uh, interesting route I mean, through the industry. He's written for films for books for i mean some very some interesting <laughs> amazing route into the screenwriting world that he had which was that he decided yeah, to so try and write a, a biopic or, or biopic i'm never sure how you say that word of uh, judge reinhold <laughs> from beverly hills cop <laughs> yeah it's a really fun chat yeah. i have to say i did i laughed a lot during that one uh, and his, his new book's going to be very good as well yeah yeah it's getting amazing uh, reviews uh, so yeah, definitely one worth tuning into if you're interested in screenwriting or or fiction writing. Um, and he also co-founded the Capital Crime yes. uh, Writing Festival as well, which is being held at the end of the month in London. So we chat to him a bit about that as well. So um, yeah, please do tune in for that episode. Uh, and of course, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk or you can drop us a tweet in the twitter machine which is at uk page one but otherwise have a great week and we'll see you next episode see you later